0: We have an, a great treat for you this morning as uh, one of our good friends of our church. Ann, you told me today it's been five years since we've been working together. Now, I've known Ann for a lot longer than that. We were friends in high school and became pen pals and ministered a couple of summers together on a, a music group. But uh, it's been five years since we've had the privilege of supporting her as a church through Josiah Ministry, and we want you to uh, find out a little bit more about that this morning. But uh, we've always known her, of course, as Ann Vandenbosch, how ever her name has recently changed as 3 weeks ago she became Mrs. Ruth Ann Chad and she's brought her uh, her new husband uh, come on up here Nick we want to congratulate these guys and so grateful congratulations Really cool stuff. And uh, on behalf, this this is actually our card to you, Mary and I's card to you. I, I gave them the church's card earlier in the first service, so I thought we'd do this with ours uh, this time. But congratulations. We love you guys. Very, very nice to meet you, get to know you as well. He's a Purdue grad, an engineer, smart, and uh, we're just so very, very happy for you guys and bless you right now. And thank you for willingness to come and share with us this morning what uh, God is doing through josiah ministry and, and again uh, we 've been a part of that. It just occurred to me. I know a lot of you were a part of the the breakfast this morning, but some of you weren 't and I wondered how many of you had difficulty finding parking today. My apologies for that, but i 'm glad you 're here because you are, are in for a retreat as as Ruth Ann shares for us. Can I just pray for her right now as she comes? Father, we just want to lift up uh, both uh, Ruth Ann and Nick and so grateful, Lord, for the, the, the marvelous way that you brought them together and the team that they are going to form, Lord, to bless your name, to magnify your name. I just, I just pray that the power of your Holy Spirit will bind their hearts together. And Lord, may they, uh, may they see much fruit as a result. We pray, Lord, uh, your blessing on Ruth Ann today as she shares the message. Lord, uh, may uh, our hearts be ready to receive it. May, Lord, we taste and see that the Lord is good. And Lord, when we come into your presence, we can take refuge, refuge in you. Lord, stir our hearts today, challenge our spirits. And I especially pray, Lord, that you will will motivate us to see that you care so much about lost people. Lord, teach us about yourself this morning. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen and amen.
1: Ha! We have a microphone. Yay! Good morning! Goodness, it's so good to be with all of you again. As Jeff said, it has been five years of, of this journey of life that you guys have kind of been a part of, and you've been through things like my mom passing away from cancer, and, and now you get to be a part of uh, joy as a, a prayer of many, many, many years was answered in Nick. Uh, so praise God for finally hearing those prayers and answering. Um, so yeah, I work for an organization called Josiah Venture and I, um, let's see. I have this to do, too. Goodness, all these things, multitasking. Um, And I have, most of you know that I work for this organization called Josiah Venture. And you would think that people would ask me when I visit churches and small groups and youth groups and colleges, you'd think that people would ask me really interesting questions about what we do as a mission organization, what countries we're in, like how God's using us. But I will tell you the question that I get from almost everybody, every single place I go, is this. Why are you called Josiah (laughs) Venture? And it involves a fairly detailed explanation from the Old Testament. So we're going to go there today. Um, We are named after a king called King Josiah from the Old Testament. And he was a really unique king. Kids, listen up. Because he became king when he was only eight years old. Is anybody here eight years old? Got one. Can you imagine back there? Can you imagine becoming king right now? King of a big country? Kind of crazy stuff. So because we have the kids in the service, I actually thought it would be fun to do a short video that actually tells the story of King Josiah so that I can better explain to you why we have the name Josiah Venture.
2: God's story, Josiah. So, part of God's story is about a king named Josiah, and it goes like this. Josiah became the king of the Israelites, God's special family, when he was just eight years old. Even though he was a kid, he ruled the whole southern part of the kingdom called Judah. Josiah's dad, King Amon, had gotten into deep trouble and been hated by the people who worked for him. He hadn't followed God at all. In fact, like many kings before him... Amon ignored God and worshipped false gods called idols. All over the land, he built idols and places to worship idols. By the time Josiah became king, most of God's family didn't pay attention to God anymore. But Josiah was different. When he was 16, he started to follow God and look for ways to obey him. Then, four years later, he realized that all the idols were stealing the worship that belonged to God. So he began to get rid of them. A few years after that, he decided to really focus on worshiping God by rebuilding a beautiful temple to the Lord. And that's when something happened that caught Josiah by surprise. It all started when Josiah sent an official who worked for him to the temple to pay the people rebuilding it. While the official was visiting, a priest who worked there told him, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. Josiah couldn't believe the priest discovered a whole book full of God's own words. When Josiah heard the laws, he realized how much he and the Israelite people had been disobeying God. He felt so sorry that he tore his clothes and cried in distress. He knew God had every right to be furious with him. To figure out what to do next, Josiah sent the priest who found the book to talk to a prophet named Huldah. Remember, prophets talk to God, then share what God says. Josiah wanted to know if there was any chance God would forgive them. God told Huldah that the Israelites deserved to be punished for disobeying him over and over and over again. But since Josiah was sorry and wanted to repent, which means turn away from his disobedience and start following God, he could be forgiven. In other words, God had mercy on Josiah. Kids Mercy is forgiving someone even though they don't deserve it. God loves to give us mercy when we repent. When Josiah heard that, he called together a crowd of people, took them to the temple, and read them the entire book of the law. Then he promised to obey the Lord. And because Josiah was king, the people wanted to be like him and obey the Lord too. Now, when Josiah obeyed, he really obeyed. He had Every single idol removed. He destroyed every place that had ever been used to worship idols. He collected all the things that had been used in idol worship, in temples, and even in people's houses, burned them, and took the ashes far away. Basically, he got rid of every last trace of anything that had ever been used to worship false gods. And because Josiah obeyed God, guess what the Bible says about him? It says, never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength. And there has never been a king like him since. This eight year old kid was the best king Israel had ever had. All because he loved God's words and obeyed them. And that's the story of Josiah. So, in case you missed it, here's the quick version. Josiah became king. He was eight. Josiah followed God. He rebuilt a temple for the Lord. A priest discovered a book of God's law. Josiah read it. He had been disobeying God. Josiah was sorry. He deserved to be punished. Josiah repented. God showed Josiah mercy. He obeyed God with his whole heart. There were no other kings like him. And that's a part of God's story.
1: Yeah, that was a good video, huh? So, the mission organization that I work for is named after this boy king who changed his entire country for God as a teenager. And I know that sometimes as adults, we can look at kids and we can look at teenagers and we could say, they are really great kids and really great teenagers, but they need to grow up a lot and learn a lot of things before God's going to use them to change his kingdom, right? And that's not true. If you're a kid here, if you're a teenager here, this story proves that God sometimes will use people your age to change big things in his kingdom, So we believe that in Josiah Venture. Josiah Ventures in 14 different Eastern and Central European countries. And those countries that we're in are a lot like the country of Israel was when Josiah became king. They are almost, they have almost nobody that's seeking God. In fact, two of our countries that we're in, the Czech Republic and Estonia, are the two most atheist countries in the whole entire world. They kind of go back and forth for first place. And that means that almost everybody in those countries believes that there's no God at all. So hardly anyone in these countries believes that there's God, but... There are a few people in these 14 countries that are seeking God and obeying him. And you know what? Some of those are young people. And that is who Josiah Venture is looking for. So what we do is we go into these 14 countries and we partner with local churches and we say, hey, do you have a few young people in this town that love Jesus? And can we come alongside you and help you invest in those young people so that they grow and flourish and learn how to follow Jesus well and are able to maybe reach some of their friends for Christ? Right now, there's less than 1% of the people in, East, in these 14 Eastern and Central European countries that know Jesus. And so that's something that we're coming alongside churches and helping them with. And we call the young people that we're working with Young Josiahs because we believe that God can take those young people and use them to possibly turn these country statistics completely around, so I thought today would be really fun to actually share a story with you about a young Josiah that I met last summer in the country of Slovakia. So let me introduce you to Jani. Jani's name in English would be John or Johnny. So if your name, if you're here and your name is John your nickname would be Jani in Slovakia, or Jan as an adult. Um, And he is 16, and he lives in a little town called Tolce. It's on the far eastern side of Slovakia. Um, And he is a follower of Jesus, and he really loves Jesus with all of his heart. But just like You and me, he's learning how to follow Jesus well, and he's learning how to obey God's word in various situations. And sometimes he messes up. Sometimes he makes mistakes. And today, the story I want to tell you about Yanni involves a time when he made a pretty big mistake. Um, And so I'm going to share this story with you. um, And I just want you to think about what would happen if Yanni didn't have people pouring into his life and discipling him and helping him grow in this in this area. So last summer I took a team from my church. I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I work for Josiah Venture, and so this isn't necessarily a part of my job. Normally I send some, um, college-age students over to do internships all summer. Um, that's my role with Josiah Venture, but I'm so passionate about what they're doing, and one of my friends who uh, works in Slovakia said, We have a little church that needs a team to come and partner with them. And I was like, I think I could maybe get a group of people from my church in Indiana to go over. So this is the team. They had just landed uh, in Vienna, in fact. And we were all pretty jet-lagged and tired. Um, But we partnered with Yanni's Church in Gerald Holtze. And their church needed a church from America to come over and partner with them to do an English camp. And that might seem kind of strange living here in the United States. It's hard to understand why you would want to do and if anybody would even come to an English camp. But when you live in Slovakia or some of these other small countries and the only language that you know is the language from your country, it really limits your ability to work in other countries. If you only know Slovak, how are you going to work in Italy or France or England or America? And so it's really valuable to them because English is kind of a universal language in Europe. It's important to parents and kids that they learn English because it gives them freedom and opens doors for them. So what this did for Yanni's church is they could go to their town and say, hey, we're going to host this English camp this summer as a church, and we have this huge team of Americans coming over, and they're going to teach you English and help you practice speaking English. So parents who would never send their kids to church camp in a million years are like, okay, okay. Don't listen to the God stuff, but go and learn English. (laughs) So we have all these kids who come to this camp who really want to meet Americans, really want to practice their English, and have been firmly instructed, like, we aren't sure about this whole church thing, like, just try to ignore the God stuff, but pick up as much English as you can. So we got there. And we met the youth group. There were about 10 of them, about 10 young people that this little church was investing in, 10 young Josiahs, and they were hard at work. They all had a role at the camp. They all had been placed in positions of leadership based on their gifts. So they were decorating, and they were setting up worship, and they were doing slides, and they were figuring out games and crafts and sports. And Yanni, we met that first day, super outgoing, as you can see. He's up front, he's helping to lead the first night, he's super funny, very, like, did skits and all kinds of activities with the camp, and Yanni actually ended up in my English class, So our English classes, you can see we, this is our English class. Yanni was up front. We were competing in an activity, which I'll talk (laughs) about in a little bit. But you can see we're all, some of us are wearing the green um, bandanas on our wrists or on our head because we were the green team. So your English class would have English classes in the morning, and then in the afternoon you would compete together as a team in various games and sports and things. And so we learned really, really quick that Yanni was super, super competitive. So Yanni is, we go to our first game day, and Yanni's like, we will win this. And I'm like, oh my word. Because me, I had dislocated my shoulder the week before. So I'm like... No, tell me you're not going to be disappointed in me if I don't win these sports <laughs> events because I only have one arm. But he was like, this is do or die. We are going to win every single game or else. Super competitive. There he is playing soccer, I think. So we go into the first ga- the first day, and I think we're all a little like scared because his pep talk was just a little intense. And we win. We win all the games on Monday, and we win all the games on Tuesday, and we win... All the games on Wednesday. And we're starting to get a little like, yeah, we're the green team. (laughs) And we hit Thursday, and we lose our first game. And Yanni is not happy. He's like, you know, you guys, like, this is super important. We We lost our first game. There goes our winning streak. We cannot lose any more games today. You guys have to work harder. You have to work harder. We have to win these games. And we're like, okay, okay. We get to our second game, and we lose again. And Yanni is furious the whole way. We're walking to the third game, and he's like, this is terrible. I can't. He's kicking stuff. It's so bad. We have got to win this third game. We cannot lose all three games today. This is this is a disgrace. And everyone's like, oh, my word. So the third game wasn't even a sports game. It was like a game of intellect. So we split into two, and half of our group had to do Sudoku, which I've never done in my whole life. And the other half of the group had to do this—the one of those word puzzles that's like, the German man lives in a pink house and he's bald. And the Dutch woman lives in an apartment and has a dog. And the and you have this like like 500 people living in various places and you have to figure out who who lives next to who and who has what pet and what color hair. And I'm just like this is horrible. Don't depend on me we get to the end of the game and of course like the other team just destroys us and Yanni completely loses it and he is screaming there was one girl on the Sudoku team who had done a whole row wrong I think she'd done something wrong with Sudoku and he was convinced that was why we had lost and so he was just screaming at her in Slovak and I'm like oh my goodness like what am I going to do and everybody like half the campus, is staring at us and I'm like oh and the pastor shows up of the Slovak church. His name's Peter. He shows up, and he, like, pulls Johnny aside, or Yanni aside. And we comfort the girl who's crying because, and I'm just like, this is so bad. Like, Yanni's a leader in this youth group, and this girl who's crying isn't even a Christian. And, and the worst thing was we had been working all week in the evening programs. We'd been sharing through the story of King David, and we'd been working the whole week to this point on Thursday when we were going to share the gospel message that night. And I was like, oh, this is just such bad timing. Like, and half the camp saw, and, and he's supposed to be a picture of who Jesus is. And so I just started praying. Like, God, I don't know. Like, somehow, like, if you can redeem this, if you can turn this around, I don't know. Like, I'm just so disappointed in him. So we got to that evening, And Peter stood up, and he started to speak, Um, and Yanni stood up, and he went up to the front of the room, and he asked Peter for the mic, and, and he stood up in front of this room of teenagers, and tears just were running down his face. And he said, I am so sorry. I am, I am so sorry that I acted the way I did today. I was wrong. And I shouldn't have yelled like that. And I know, like, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I, I am supposed to, like, love people and be kind to people and be a good example of how much God loves you. And I was horrible to a lot of you today, and I'm so sorry. And so, you know, people are tearing up a little bit because, you know, it was really a big deal that this guy got up and, and apologized like this. And and Peter got back up, and he took the mic, and he said, Now, as we've talked about, we talked about David and Bathsheba earlier in the week and how David was really sorry about his his sin with Bathsheba and how he went to God and God forgave him, but God also said there's some consequences to that sin. And and David was punished for that sin, even though he was forgiven. And so the pastor stood up, and he said, Just like we talked about We talked about King David. Like, Yanni and I talked about the fact that there's going to be a consequence to this sin. And he said, we talked about it a little bit and decided that his punishment would be that he's going to sit in this kiddie pool over here. And I'm going to take this great big bucket of ice water and dump it over his head. So, Yanni, with tears still running down his face, like, goes and sits in the pool. And he's like, I deserve this. Like, I'm I'm okay with this. And the pastor says, now, I'm going to put this ice over Yanni's head as a punishment for his sin today. He said, but maybe there's somebody in this room that would take this punishment for Yanni. And everybody's like, no. <laughs> And all of a sudden, a little arm went up near the front. And I looked to see who it was, and it was the girl that he had made cry. And she's not even a believer. Like, she doesn't know, like, the significance of this at all. And, and she stands up, and Peter's like, are you sure you want to do this? And she's like, yeah, I'll take it for him. And so Yanni's crying and he gives her a big hug and she sits down in this pool and Peter pours the bucket of water over her head and um, then he looks out at all the kids seated in that room and he says, you guys, this is what Jesus did for you. Only your sin didn't deserve a bucket of ice, your sin deserved death. And you were sitting there, you, your sentence, your punishment was death, and Jesus took it for you. And he went and suffered and died on a cross and rose again so that you would be forgiven of your sin and you would be able to spend eternity with him in heaven. And of course, there wasn't a dry eye in the place, including mine. And later that night, we had a chance to pray with a lot of teens that finally understood the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection and knew for the first time the depth of God's love for them. And I was just in awe of a couple of things of how God had used such a bad situation to, number one, Provide a teaching experience for this young Josiah. Who knows what God's gonna do in the future in Yanni's life? We we the sky's the limit. And and that was a really teachable moment, and that pastor stepped into it and trained him and taught him. And second, God used it to really teach everyone in the room a little bit more about God's grace and God's love for them. And then I was a little bit overwhelmed by the idea that this kind of stuff with these young Josiahs is happening in all 14 of our countries. All the time. All over the place, young people are being raised up as followers of Jesus Christ being discipled, learning how to read the Bible, learning how to pray, becoming people who can turn around and go back and reach their friends for Jesus. In Josiah Venture, we call this from the harvest to the harvest, meaning we go to the harvest fields that are ripe, that are are full of people who don't even know that Jesus loves them, and we are reaching them and bringing them into the local church and helping that local church disciple those kids to the point where they are leaders and can go back and reach more people from the harvest back into the harvest. So I'm going to play a quick video for you um, about this from the harvest to the harvest idea. And it's going to just put some faces in front of you of young Josiahs in all 14 of our countries. There's one scene that I particularly, there's a couple that I really like in here that show the large groups. Every year in the fall, we invite the top leaders, the kids that are really pursuing um, leadership in Christ. They're looking at becoming pastors or becoming missionaries to other Eastern uh, and Central European countries. And we bring them all to the Czech Republic, and we have this huge week-long training for them where they get invested in and they learn things like how to lead a small group and, and how to walk through a discipleship curriculum with another person and how to bring someone to Christ and how to actually teach well how to teach for for learning and not just for knowledge and and it's just a really exciting time so pay attention to those large group shots because it's just beautiful to be able to see how god is t- drawing that one percent together to be equipped so that that one percent will change
3: when jesus stood and looked out over the crowd, his heart broke for the people who were lost and in need He said to his disciples, do you see this vast harvest? Today, when we look out over the schools, churches, and cities here in Central and Eastern Europe, we see what Jesus saw, hearts in need of his hope. The soil is ready. The harvest is plentiful. Josiah Venture is home to over 180 full-time nationals partnering with local churches across this region. Many of them came to know Christ through the ministries of Josiah Venture and are now discipling others themselves. The kingdom of God is near. The harvest is ripe. Pray for even more workers. From the harvest to the harvest.
1: So as I finish up today, I just want to... um leave you with this verse from Matthew chapter 9 verses 37 and 38. We need more workers in the field. And Jesus says pray. Pray and ask God to send more workers. We have less than 1% of the population in these countries who know Jesus. And There are churches that are waiting to be partnered with someone from JV staff to help them disciple the young people in their community. So pray. Ask God for us as you leave this place. Ask God that he would send more workers. We need more full-time staff. We need more interns. That's the program that I work with, sending college students over to Eastern and Central Europe each summer. And we need some more short-term teams. So if this church or if a church that you know, their youth group or their college group, might be interested in going to one of our countries and serving like we did with Yanni last summer, um, look us up. Give me a call. I can get you connected with the people who lead those things and, and get you a country that you can be connected with. So um, thank you. Having me here today. It was just a joy to share a little bit of my heart with you, um, and it was just good to see all of you um, again today. Um, I think, I don't think that there's going to be anything, they're probably all cleaned up for breakfast, but I think our booth is still up. So if you want any more information, come and see me. We'll go wait by the booth for a little while after service or come see us before we get over there. I have a limited edition amount of Ruthann Vandenbosch prayer cards. That will soon be Ruth and Chad. So if you want last chance to get a Ruth and Vandenbosch prayer card, <laughs> and if you would like to be on my mailing list or you'd like to get the new prayer card, you can sign up. There's a sign-up sheet off on my table. So um, let me close this in prayer. Father, we love you. And we love that you um, delight in taking situations that seem sad and hard and wrong and turning those things into things that are just beautiful. And we're so thankful for the things that you're doing in Yanni's life. We're so thankful for the things that you're doing in hundreds and hundreds of young people in Eastern and Central Europe. And God, we're thankful for the things you're doing in young people's lives right here at North Olmsted. And God, I know that you have a plan for each person that's in this room, and I pray that they would step into that plan with boldness. I pray that you make it clear to them um, what they're to do next, and I pray that There might even be some young Josiahs right here in this church this morning. And I just pray that um, you would encourage us to take bold steps of faith and to seek you and follow you. And I pray your blessing on each person as they leave today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.